In John chapter 6. In John chapter 6. In verse number 66. Verse 66. The Bible says this. It says, as a result of this, many of his disciples withdrew and were not walking with him anymore. I got to tell you that out of all of the verses that I have been blessed in my life to read in the Bible, this one to me, has to be among the most disturbing. This has to be one of the most disturbing verses in all the Bible. I mean, think carefully about what this verse is saying. Think carefully about the decision that these people made on this occasion. Notice how on this occasion the Scripture says, there are actually some people who, who did the unthinkable. They, they did the unimaginable. They actually made the worst decision that any person could ever make in their lives, and that is they left Jesus. They withdrew themselves from Jesus. They stopped walking with Jesus, and they were no longer his disciples. That's what the Bible says that these people did 2,000 years ago. And let me just ask you this morning, can you ever imagine doing that in your own life? Can you ever imagine leaving Jesus? Can you ever imagine no longer walking with Jesus? Can you ever imagine no longer worshiping him? And no longer reading and studying his word and no longer allowing his standard to be the main thing that guides you in, in every aspect of your life. My dear friends, while it might, might be difficult for any of us to ever imagine leaving Jesus, unfortunately, this happens all the time. Unfortunately, in 2020, in this church and in churches across the globe, there were a lot of people who made the decision to leave Jesus. There were a lot of people who made the decision to leave the Son of God in this previous year. And sadly, there are going to be a lot of other people who do the same thing in this current year. And my question is this. My question is, why do people do that? Why do people leave Jesus? Why do people leave the Son of God? Why do so many young people leave the Son of God? Why do so many new converts leave the Son of God? Why do so many people who have been Christians for 20 and 30 and sometimes even 40 years sometimes leave the Son of God? Well, as we kick off 2021, a year in which I hope and pray that no one who hears my voice this morning will ever leave Jesus. I think it is important that we talk about this. I think it is important that we consider what the Bible has to say about this. I mean, if we are going to avoid doing the unthinkable ourselves, then I think we need to be honest and open about why so many other people do it. 
Why do so many people leave Jesus? Well, one reason why so many people leave Jesus is because of his teaching. Because of his teaching, I believe we need to start with this particular point this morning, brothers and sisters, because that is exactly, this is exactly what's at the core of what's going on here in John 6 and verse 66. And so when you go back there in your Bible this morning, go back to the chapter we studied this morning in our Bible class. Remember this morning in our Bible class, we studied John chapter 6. Remember in John chapter 6, we find Jesus performing one of his, one of his most famous miracles in the gospel, he miraculously multiplies food, right? He miraculously multiplies a, a few fish and a few loaves of bread, and he feeds thousands and thousands of people. This was indeed a great miracle and a great wonder performed by the power of God. In fact, this miracle was so impressive, it was so marvelous, it was so wonderful that when Jesus did this, not only did the people who saw him do this, not only did it convince them that he was the prophet that Moses spoke of in the book of Deuteronomy, but it also got them really excited, right? It also fired them up. It also motivated them to try to take him by force and make him a king right there on the spot. Now, that's what we studied this morning in our Bible class. But now I want to go back to John chapter six. And I want us to consider carefully the verses that Brother Trevor read for us in our scripture reading. I want us to understand that in the context of the verses that Brother Trevor read for us this morning. It's the next day. It's the day after Jesus had miraculously multiplied that food for thousands of people and those same people they're looking for him again they're seeking him out only they're not seeking him out for the right reason they're not seeking him out because they really want to follow him they're not seeking him out because they really want to submit to him and make him the lord of their lives instead they're seeking him out the next day because they want some more bread. They want some more physical bread. They want another free lunch. And Jesus, who knows everything, he certainly knew that. He certainly knew their thoughts. He knew their motives. He, know, he knew their intentions. In fact, that is exactly why when these people finally caught up with Jesus, he challenged them. He challenged their priorities. He challenged their thinking. He challenged them to seek him out for the right reason and understand what being a disciple of his really involves. What does being a disciple of Jesus really involve? Well, according to Jesus, being a true disciple of his, it involves eating of him. It involves drinking of him. It involves partaking of him as the bread of life. That's what Jesus talks about in those verses that Brother Trevor read for us in our scripture reading. But now let's pick up with the rest of the story. Well, back to John chapter 6, and I'm going to read some scripture to you this morning. I want to read to you the, the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. Look at verse number 41. John 6 and verse 41. After Jesus told these people that he is the bread of life, and that if they were going to live forever, they needed to eat of him. 
In verse 41 of John 6, it says, therefore, the Jews were grumbling about him. Notice they're grumbling about this because he said, I am the bread that came out of heaven. They were saying, is this not Jesus, the son of Joseph, whose father and mother we know? How does he now say, I have come down out of heaven? Jesus answered and said to them, do not grumble among, among yourselves. Now drop down to verse 47. In verse 47, Jesus is about to preach. He says, truly I say to you, he who believes has eternal life. I am the bread of life. Your fathers, that is your forefathers in the days of Moses, your forefathers who were wandering in the wilderness and God miraculously gave them bread for 40 years. Your fathers ate that manna. They ate that bread in the wilderness and they died. This is the bread that comes down out of heaven so that one may eat of it and not die. I am the living bread that came out of heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. And the bread also which I give for the life of the world is my flesh. Then the Jews began to argue with one another, saying, How can this man give us his flesh to eat? They don't understand. So Jesus said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in yourselves. He who eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. For my flesh is true food, and my blood is true drink. He who eats my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me, and I in him. As the living Father sent me, and I live because of the Father, so he who eats me, he will also live because of me. This is the bread which came down out of heaven, not as the fathers ate and died. He who eats this bread will live forever. Verse 59, these things he said in the synagogue as he taught in Capernaum. Therefore, many of his disciples, when they heard this, said, this is a difficult statement. Who can listen to it? And then verse 66 makes more sense now. When the scripture says as a result of this, as a result of his teaching, many of his disciples withdrew and were not walking with him anymore. Notice the disturbing scene we find here in the word of God. Do you see the disturbing scene? Notice how here on this occasion, we find literally thousands and thousands and thousands of people leaving Jesus on the very same day. And they're leaving him for one specific reason. They're leaving him because of his teaching. They're leaving him because they don't like his teaching. They don't like that he said, I am the bread of life. You see, when these people heard Jesus say that he was the bread of life, they misunderstood. They foolishly thought that he was talking about cannibalism due to their carnal mindedness. Due to their fleshly thinking they thought that Jesus was saying that they needed to literally eat his flesh and literally drink his blood. They failed to realize that with that language, Jesus was not talking about something on a, on a physical level. Instead, he was talking about something on a spiritual level. He was talking about spiritually eating of him and spiritually drinking of him. He was saying that only when one consumes themselves in him and, and, and is totally committed to him, only then will, will they inherit eternal life. 
That's what Jesus is teaching on this occasion. And these people didn't understand that. They didn't want to understand that. And they didn't accept that. They didn't accept his teaching. And I think we really need to appreciate how the Lord responds to that. I want you to notice how after all these people leave Jesus, after all these thousands and thousands of people leave Jesus, Jesus doesn't compromise with them. Jesus doesn't say, well, wait a minute, hold on, don't leave. I'm sorry, I take back what I said. Come back to me, please. I don't want to lose this big crowd. Come back, I'll give you more free food. Jesus didn't say that, did he? You see, on, on this occasion, Jesus wasn't concerned with numbers. He wasn't concerned with just having a big crowd. Instead, he was concerned with commitment from the crowd. He was concerned with devotion. He was concerned with dedication. He was concerned with these people accepting his teaching as the truth. These people left Jesus because they didn't like his teaching. And the question is, what about us? What about me and what about you? What are we going to do with the teaching of Jesus? What are we going to do when the teaching of Jesus really starts challenging us in our lives? For example, what are we going to do when we start having some problems in our marriages? We're having problems in our marriages. We're, we're fussing. We're arguing with our spouse all the time. And we are so discouraged by that that we want to do like most folks in our society do. We want to, we want to get a divorce. We want to break off that relationship. We want to sever that marriage and move on and, and, and be with somebody else. What are we going to do when we find ourselves unhappy in our marriages? We want to get a divorce, but then we come to Matthew 19, and verse 6, and we read what Jesus says there. We read about how Jesus says that God is the one who created marriage in the beginning, and he demands that it be a lifetime or a lifelong commitment. What are we going to do when we start having problems in our marriages and we come across that verse? What are we going to do when we feel like somebody has really done us wrong? They have hurt us. Maybe they destroyed our reputation. They've said ugly things to us and about us. And because of that, we are tempted to get even with them. We are tempted to retaliate, get revenge. We want to hurt them because they hurt us. But then we go to Romans 12 one day. In verses 17 through 21, and we read the Apostle Paul say under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit that as Christians, we should never pay back evil for evil. We should never take out our own revenge, but we should leave wrath for the room of God. We should never be overcome by evil, but we must overcome evil with good. What are we going to do when somebody hurts us and we want to get revenge, but then we come across that teaching from Jesus? What are we going to do if we find ourselves married to or dating somebody who's not a Christian? And they start trying to gradually pull us away from what we know is true. They start trying to pull us away from the moral standard that the Bible promotes. They start trying to pull us away from the Lord's church, pull us away from the Lord's people. They start trying to urge us to attend a, a church with them that maybe worships with mechanical instruments. 
Or maybe they just take the Lord's Supper once a month or, or twice a month. Or maybe this church they, that, are, that their spouse is trying to get them to attend with them is a church that doesn't even teach the truth about the most important issue in the Bible, and that is the issue of salvation. They can't even tell you what to do to be saved properly. They tell you that if you want to be saved, all you got to do is believe. They say baptism is not necessary for salvation. What are, what are we going to do if we find ourselves in a situation like that? What are we going to do when Jesus' teaching begins to challenge us and make us mad and uncomfortable and when it even begins to threaten relationships that we don't want to give up? Are we going to do like these people did here in John chapter 6? Are we going to leave Jesus? Are we going to withdraw ourselves from Jesus or are we going to stick with him? Because we know that he has the words of eternal life. Some people leave Jesus because of his teaching. It's too challenging for them. But then other people leave Jesus because they're just plain selfish. They're just plain selfish. Go in your Bible, please, to Mark chapter 10 and verse 45. In Mark chapter 10 and verse 45, Jesus says, For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. Notice how in that verse, Jesus says the primary reason why he left the glories of heaven to come into this wicked and sinful world was to be a servant. He came to serve me and serve you. He came to serve all of us in the highest possible way by dying on the cross for our sins. Jesus says that he gave up everything so that we can become the children of God. But unfortunately, for so many children of God, they're not willing to give up very much for Jesus. They're not willing to sacrifice very much for Jesus. I'm going to my Bible now to 2 Timothy chapter 4. And 2 Timothy chapter 4, listen to what the Apostle Paul says about a man named Demas. In 2 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 10, Paul said these words. He says, for Demas, having loved the present world. Notice that this man loves the world and he has deserted me, Paul says, and gone on to Thessalonica. Notice how here we find an example, another example of a disciple leaving Jesus. This man Demas left Paul and by implication, by extension, it is implied that he also left Jesus. In fact, Paul makes it very clear that the main reason why this man left Jesus is because he fell into the pitfall of selfishness. He was selfish. He was selfish because he loved the world more than he loved Jesus. He was selfish because he loved the sinful pleasures of the world more than he loved the Lord who died for him on the cross. Demas was somebody who fell into the trap of selfishness and worldliness. And if we're not careful, my dear friends, we can also fall into that same trap. We can also fall into that trap today. You see, if we're not careful, like Demas, we can also become the kind of people who start loving other things more than we love Jesus. We can start loving our careers more than we love Jesus. We can start 
loving our pursuit of higher education more than we love Jesus. We can find ourselves so cons consumed in our careers or going to school that we no longer have any more time for Jesus. We no longer have any, any time to study the words of Jesus. We no longer have any time to read one chapter a day from a daily Bible reading schedule. We no longer have any time to worship Jesus. We no longer have any time to associate with other followers of Jesus outside of these walls. If we're not careful, we can find ourselves putting our careers and our pursuit of education above Jesus. And if we're also not careful, we can find ourselves putting in more and more relationships before Jesus. I can't begin to tell you how many times I have seen Christians leave Jesus because they say, well, I'd rather stay shacking up with this person. Well, I'd rather stay in this unlawful marriage. I know what Jesus says about it. I, I know what the Bible says about it, but, but doing this makes me happy. And I think God wants me to be happy. I think God wants me to be satisfied in, in my life. I have met people who have left Jesus to pursue in more relationships. And I've also met people who have left Jesus because of their kids. I've known of people who left Jesus. They've stopped. They stop gathering faithfully to worship Jesus because they want to focus more on their kids' extracurricular activities. They want to focus more on their kids' sports. They want to focus on their kid becoming the next great soccer player, the next great baseball or basketball player. They really think their kid is going to become the next LeBron James. They really believe that. And so they put Jesus on the back burner. So their kids can put sports first. And then I've also met people who've left Jesus because of their friends. I've met people, particularly young people, who've picked some bad friends. I mean some bad friends. Ungodly friends, friends who curse and they drink and they try to persuade them to go party all the time and have sex and instead of giving up those kind of friends, and instead of taking heed to the warning of the Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians 15 and verse 33, where Paul says, do not be deceived, evil companions corrupt good morals. Instead of listening to the wisdom of God, these Christians want to hang on to these friends. They want to keep associating with these friends. They'll even start slowly doing the same kind of things, the same kind of sinful things that these friends are doing. What I just want you to see is when Jesus is not first place in our lives, when he's not at the center of our lives, the devil creeps in. The devil creeps in and he just starts slowly drawing us further and further away from, from Jesus. He does us like he did Demas. He starts getting us totally consumed in the things of this world and the sinful pleasures of this world. And the next thing you know, we've left Jesus. We have put the world above the Lord who gave his life for us. Some people leave Jesus because of his teaching. And some people leave Jesus because they're just plain selfish. But then a third reason why some people leave Jesus, why some disciples leave Jesus, is because of Christians. 
because of Christians. And I can see how puzzled you look right now by looking at this point. I'm going to be honest with you. I'm puzzled by this point as well. I've always been puzzled by this point. I've always been puzzled by the fact that some Christians will actually leave Jesus because a fellow Christian mistreats them. I've always been puzzled by some Christians who will get into a fuss with another brother or sister in the church. They'll get into a conflict with them. They'll get into some kind of disagreement with them. They really feel like this other Christian in the church has done them wrong. And as a result of that, you know what they'll do? They'll stop coming to worship. They'll pull back. They'll stop coming to worship God. They'll stop coming to worship Jesus. Here's my question for Christians who do that kind of garbage. What in the world did Jesus do to you? What did Jesus do to you? Some people will leave Jesus because another Christian mistreats them, and some other people leave Jesus because they feel like they're being neglected. They feel like they're being neglected in the spiritual family. They say, oh, nobody calls me. Nobody checks on me. Nobody writes me cards and gives me attention. When I do come to worship, nobody shakes my hand. And so I guess I just shouldn't go to worship at all. I don't know about you, and I'm not trying to be unkind when I say this. But just in my view, sometimes Christians think just some of the strangest things. They really do. Sometimes Christians think in some of the most illogical ways. I mean, what sense does it make for me or you or any of us to take our frustrations with a brother or sister in the church out on Jesus? What in the world did Jesus do to us? What in the world did Jesus do? What offense did he commit that should persuade us not to give him our best effort and our best service? In John 15 and verse 13, Jesus says, Greater love has no man than this that one lay down his life for his friends. In Mark 10 and verse 45, Jesus says, The Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. John 3 and verse 16, the most familiar verse in the Bible, Jesus says, For God so loved the world. That he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. I mean, based on, though, on what those verses say, why in the world would I ever leave Jesus because of what somebody else did to me? Why in the world or how in the world could I ever stay at home and just do my own thing and become a spiritual hermit because of the actions of a brother or sister who may have offended me? That doesn't make any kind of sense, does it? That doesn't make any kind of sense at all. In fact, if we really believe, if we really believe that somebody in the church has done us wrong, if we really believe they've offended us, if we really believe they've hurt our feelings, then you know what we need to do? Instead of making the foolish decision to leave Jesus, we need to step up and become real Christians and practice Matthew 18 and verse 15. We need to do what Jesus says there in that verse. We need to have the love and the courage to go to those people that we think have offended us. 
and we need to talk to them about our problem with them in private, and we need to work out that problem as brothers and sisters in Christ. What we don't need to do is leave Jesus. What we don't need to do is stop giving him our best service. I don't care who offends us. I don't care who curses us out, who gossips about us, who hurts our feelings. Jesus always needs to be worshipped. Jesus always needs to be praised. Jesus always needs to be honored and respected at the highest level, no matter what. But sometimes Christians will leave Jesus because they say, I got hit by friendly fire. Another Christian, another Christian hurt me, but let's just wrap this all up by putting this on the slide. Let's wrap it all up by saying that sometimes disciples leave Jesus because of pride. And we say that. Pride. If you remember in the case of Judas, and we studied this in our Bible classes about the last week of Christ, pride was really at the core of Judas' problem with Jesus. Because Jesus rebuked him publicly for getting on to Mary because she wanted to anoint Jesus' body with a very expensive perfume because Jesus smacked him down because he was giving her a hard time. Judas then is bitter. He goes out into the night and starts orchestrating a plan to betray Jesus. Pride was at the core of his problem. Judas had a pride problem. And then you put that with the religious leaders, the men like the Pharisees, the scribes, the elders, the chief priests. Pride was a big problem for them as well, right? In fact, I contend with you this morning that pride was really the main reason why they refused to accept Jesus, even though he did all these miracles. Go in your Bible, please, to John chapter 9. Go to John chapter 9. We studied John chapter 9 this past Wednesday. If you remember, in John chapter 9, we find Jesus performing another one of his great miracles, he gives sight to a man who is blind. He gives sight to a man who was actually born blind. This man had never seen before a day in his life, and Jesus gives him the ability to see. This is a great miracle of Jesus, and you would think that that miracle alone would have been enough to convince people that he's the son of God, right? You would think that that miracle alone would have been enough to convince people that he's the Messiah and we need to follow him fully. You would think that that miracle would have converted everybody in Israel, but unfortunately, it didn't. It didn't even come close. It especially didn't convert the religious leaders. Look at John 9 and verse number 35. This is after Jesus has healed this man who was born blind. And this man, this, this man who can now see, has been interrogated. He's been, he's been interviewed by the religious leaders, the men who don't like Jesus. And because he is defending Jesus, because he's calling Jesus a man of God, these religious leaders, they kick him out of the synagogue. They say, we don't believe you. We don't, we don't care what you have to say. And so in verse number 35 of John 9, it says, Jesus heard that they had put him out. He heard they put this man out of the synagogue. And finding him, he said, do you believe in the son of man? He answered, who is he, Lord, that I may believe in him? Notice how this man who at one time was blind, he doesn't even believe in Jesus at this point. He doesn't even know who Jesus is. Jesus said to him, you have both seen him. And he is the one who is talking with you. And he said, Lord, I believe. And he worshiped him. 
And Jesus said, for judgment, I came into this world so that those who do not see may see. And those who see may become blind. Those of the Pharisees who were with him heard these things. And they said to him, we're not blind too, are we? Jesus said to him, if you were blind, you would have no sin. But since you say we see, guess what? Your sin remains. Notice, notice what is at the core of the problem with these men. You see what's at the core? Notice how at the core of the problem that the Pharisees had was they were men who had pride. They were prideful men. They were men who felt like they had all the answers. They, they knew everything. They were highly respected in their society. They were viewed as the re religious elite. They were viewed as the living standard of what a child of God should be. That's how people viewed them. I mean, in their minds, they were class A children of God who didn't need to listen to anybody. They certainly didn't need to listen to some carpenter who came out of Nazareth. It didn't matter if he could do miracles or not. These were prideful men. They had a lot of pride in their hearts, and Jesus tells them here that, that he knew about that. He tells them that until they realize that they were blind. That is, until they realize that they were spiritually blind, and they didn't have all the answers, and they needed him to save them, they were going to stay in their sins. They were going to stay lost. They were going to stay on a path to destruction and hell until they humbled themselves and acknowledged their need for Jesus. They were not going to be right with God. These men needed to strip themselves of pride if they were going to be saved. And the question is, what about us? Do we need to do the same thing? Have we done that? Have we completely stripped ourselves of pride? Do we realize just how much we need Jesus? Do we realize just how much we need the light of Jesus? And without his light, we are spiritually blind and we don't know where to go and where to turn and what to do. Do we realize that we don't know everything? I don't care how long we've been studying the Bible. We don't know everything. We don't understand everything. We don't have all the answers. We're never come close to the wisdom of Jesus. Do we understand that at the end of the day, we can't save ourselves? I don't care how much good we do in our lives. I don't care how many church services we may come to. We'll never be able to do enough good to earn our way into heaven. Do we understand that we can't be saved without the grace of Jesus? Let me tell you who understood that. The apostles understood that. Someone says, how do you know that? We'll go back to John 6 one more time. John 6, one more time, we're going to close. John 6, verse 67. After these thousands of people left Jesus, that's verse 66, Look at verse 67. So Jesus said to the 12, you do not want to go away also, do you? Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. And we have believed and come to know that you, you are the Holy One of God. Notice how the apostles understood what most of the Pharisees didn't understand. The apostles understood just how much they needed Jesus. 
They understood exactly what he had to offer. They understood that only he had the words of eternal life. And if they left him, they had nowhere else to go. The apostles understood that. The question is, do we understand that? Do we understand just how much we need Jesus if we're going to be saved? Let me tell you something, my friends. If we really understand that, then one thing we'll never do is we'll never leave Jesus. We'll never walk away from him. We will do our best to be faithful to him in 2021. And in every year, God gives us on this good earth. Now, these are just four, just four reasons as to why so many people leave Jesus. You and I both know that I could put, and we could put many more things on this slide, but it really doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if we put a hundred or a thousand things on this slide. The fact of the matter is, there's never a legitimate reason for leaving him. There is never a legitimate reason for leaving the Son of God. And maybe as you take inventory of your life this morning, I realize at the beginning of the year, there's when a lot of people start taking spiritual inventory of their lives. And maybe as you do that this morning, you realize that you have done exactly what we've talked about this morning. Maybe you realize you've left Jesus. You may not have left him physically. You may be in the pew this morning, but maybe you know your heart is not with him. Your heart is far away from him. If that describes you, then I can't think of a better way to start the new year by giving your heart back to him. Coming back to him, repent of your sins, ask us to pray with you and to pray for you. Or if you need to come to him for the first time and begin your walk as one of his disciples by believing and repenting and being baptized. If we can help you with that, it'll be our our pleasure to do to do just that. And so there's someone here who needs to come to the one who